0: I'm going to tell you about my crisis of belief that I'm going through right now. Last night, my brother and his wife and their two girls came. Uh, they're, they're coming to the second service, but they came and we hung out for a while last night. So we, we left and we went to the farm over in Walnut Creek and then we went out to eat and got home. And we needed to put the car seat, our car seat, back in our van. We could not find our keys at least an hour looking for our keys. And to the point of praying about it and what are we going to do? We have no idea where are these keys... We looked everywhere you could possibly think of ever to think, to to look. There was nowhere else we possibly could have looked. I guess there was one place we could have looked. but. Uh, so we prayed about what we're supposed to do and we're looking and finally I was at the point of giving up hope and I was even looking up keys online to figure out how you buy a new key for these vans and all of that, so giving up all hope, even after I pray, I admitted it, I gave up all hope, and I went in to turn the light off in the laundry room, and the key was hanging on the light switch in the laundry room, so my crisis of belief is I don't know if God hung it there so I wouldn't miss it, or if my niece took the key and took it in there and hung it on the light switch, so uh, I'm going to tell her later that I'm going to fight her later today. Uh, but uh, it's always good to have family around. That has nothing to do with anything I'm going to talk about today. just (laughs) thought I'd share that. Psalm 139 today, we're going to be talking about uh, God's revelation of himself and some of the things that we see here in Psalm 139 that God has revealed to us. And the point is that God has revealed himself to us, and there is something that we have to make a decision as to what we're going to do with what he has revealed to us. We'll talk about that more as we go here, but... Psalm one thirty nine. We're going to start in verse one. It Says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know you know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? And lead me in the way everlasting. So, as I said, the point of this, what we're going to be looking at today, there's so much that you could take from this passage here. But what we're going to be looking at today is the fact that God has revealed Himself among men, and there's something that we have to do with that. Every person makes a decision about what they're going to do with God's revelation of themselves. Even somebody making a passive decision, even even somebody deciding, well, I don't know what to do with it. That is still a decision. Uh, to push away or disregard what God is revealing about himself. So the point is that there is no, there is no middle ground. There is, no, there, was never a, there is never a place where you can just say, uh, I, I'm kind of neutral, I don't know what I'm doing here, I don't know what to do with this. The point is even a decision not to do something with what God has revealed about himself is a decision to push God away or to restrain what he is revealing, the truth that he is revealing. We'll explain that more as we go. Psalm 19 says, uh, starting in verse 1, Psalm 19 verse 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies above proclaim the, uh, his handiwork. Day to day pours, pours, pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, there nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. So The point, what this is getting at is there is every person across creation from the beginning until now and always will be until the end, God has revealed something about himself to every man, every woman, every person has some sort of knowledge of God. Now, obviously, we have some greater knowledge than the person who is in some kind of... uh, tribe in in a distant country that has not heard or doesn't know much of anything about Christ. We know because we're sitting here every week hearing about it. That's, That's some sort of different revelation. But the point is that in the very fundamental aspect of life in creation, God has revealed who he is to some degree to every person. There's not anyone who is beyond God's revelation of himself in some measure. Uh, The Bible says that, as we just read, even in creation itself. You walk outside, you see the stars, you see the trees, everything around us. Uh, Every man somewhere in himself, even if they choose to suppress that knowledge, somewhere in them they know that this isn't just the uh, result of time plus matter plus chance. Everybody knows that to some degree. Some people choose uh, to suppress that, and we'll talk about that more as we go. The point is that the Bible says that God has revealed himself in some degree, to every person. Uh, so there are those, again, then, who, there are those who embrace the revelation of God, the things that he has revealed about himself. They embrace that. They uh, desire to know more about what he has revealed about himself, and they desire to order their life then after what God has revealed about himself. And then there are those who choose to actively suppress or restrain the truth that God has revealed about himself. So everybody, again, at some point must make a decision about what God has revealed about himself. So the first thing, though, that we see here in this passage, uh, in in Psalm 139, is that uh, we we see three things here, ultimately, that, that this passage is revealing about God. The first thing that we see here is that God is omniscient, or that's just simply a term that is used to describe what the Bible teaches about God's being, uh, the word "omniscient" in the Bible—it's not the, the term isn't in the Bible—but it is a term to describe what the Bible teaches about God. But the word comes from two Latin words that simply mean all knowledge. So God is omniscient, meaning that the Bible reveals, and what we see in Psalm 139 reveals that God has all knowledge. That means that His knowledge is perfect. That means that He doesn't have to learn anything. He has never forgotten anything. There is nothing that is beyond God's comprehension in his knowledge. He knows everything full well. He knows all things perfectly. He has perfect knowledge and understanding and wisdom. And in that, then, he is perfect in his application of that knowledge. So God knows all things. His wisdom is perfect. His knowledge is perfect. He knows everything there is to know. He doesn't have to learn anything. He's never forgotten anything. And in that, then, God is perfect in his application of, Uh, Or his interaction with the world based on the knowledge that he has. So everything that God does is perfect because he knows all things. Um, So the Bible teaches that uh, God is omniscient or all-knowing. I'm sorry, I already said that. Uh, God is all-knowing. He has revealed his all-knowing nature among men. We see that here in Psalm 139, we're going to read starting in verse 1. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. You see, God searches us. This is what is revealed here in these first six verses of Psalm 139. He searches us. He knows us. Uh, the very foundations of my being are not beyond God's knowledge. Uh, the depths of my heart our thoughts, our attitudes, desires. He knows the nuances of my being that no other person on the earth fully knows or understands. Uh, that is in uh, verse 3 again. He says, you are familiar with all my ways. So even considering, you know, on, on on this side of eternity, on the earth, the closest human relationships, for the most part, are marriage relationships. Because you're in a relationship, you see the best and the worst of people, right? There's not much bad in me that Jamie ever sees. It is all good things. But for everyone else, you see the good and the bad. Uh, But even in a marriage relationship, you don't ever fully know every single thing about each other, right? Right? Marriage is a lifelong process of learning about the other person. There is always something that you are learning that will never, ever stop. I would assume that is true. I'm not as I haven't been married as long as some of you, but I would assume that that is probably the case. Uh, marriage is something where you are constantly learning about the desires, the thoughts, the intentions, the character of the other person. And uh, how you can grow together. So that's not just marriage. Any human relationship. You never know every single thing about the other person. There's always something that you can grow to learn. That's not the case with God, however. You see, God knows all things about us. Um, the pulpit commentary said this uh, on this passage. It said, before man we stand as opaque beehives. They see; They can see the thoughts go in and go out of us. But what work they do inside of a man, they cannot tell. Before God, we are as glass beehives, and all that our thoughts are doing within us, he sees perfectly and understands perfectly. So the point is, again, in the most the, the closest of human relationships, we are still learning about somebody's thoughts and desires and how... Their desires affect them and how it affects our relationships with one another. But that is not so with God. He sees the depths of our heart. It is wide open. It is as a window that He sees the depths of our soul. And every decision we make, every word that we say, He knows exactly why we would say something or how we would react a certain way. He knows all things. We see that in Jeremiah 17. Starting verse nine, we've talked about this before. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And then verse ten it says, I the Lord search the heart and test the mind. So the point is that as humans, we have to decide what we're going to do about the fact that God has revealed Himself in His fullness of knowledge. You see, that affects our lives. That affects our lives that we we can't we might be able to deceive somebody else to make them think that You know, I didn't really mean what I said or I'm not thinking what you think I'm thinking or whatever you can do to try to push people away and deceive them or hide your true feelings from other people. But that is not so with God. Everything that we are is laid in front of him in its fullness. He knows the depths of our hearts that we don't even know. Every motivation, everything that we do, he sees even the depths of our hearts that we don't even see. He knows all things. We have to decide what we're going to do with that. You see, we can't just push that away. We have to make a decision. What am I going to do with the fact that there's a God that exists and He knows every single thing about me? There's nothing that He doesn't know. So the first thing that we see that is that man can never escape God's knowledge of Him. the second thing that we see here is that man can never escape the presence of God. The Word of God reveals then that God is present in all places or He is omnipresent for the darkness is as light to you. So he says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? You see, sometimes as humans, we have a way of trying to hide ourselves from God. Even Not even necessarily in places or trying to go places to flee from his presence, but you realize that some of us can try to hide ourselves in busyness. You see, we have things maybe that God has revealed or convicted me of. And as long as I stay busy or as long as I keep my mind off of this, then I am hidden from it. We try to hide ourselves from God in his searching, in his intentions for us, in his desires from us. Human beings try to hide from what God wants to do within their hearts. You see, we have to decide what are we going to do with the fact that God has revealed himself, that he has all knowledge... And then that he is everywhere, that we can never be away from his presence, that I can't hide myself from his presence, from his watchful eye, from his understanding. I can't hide myself from that. The next thing we see here is that man is always subject to the power and the sovereignty of God. The Word of God reveals that he is all-powerful or omnipotent, which simply means that he has all power. Again, that's not a word that's necessarily in the Bible, but it is a word that is used to describe what the Bible says about what God has revealed about himself. Omnipotent, that he has all power, that he has fullness of power, that his power is not subject to anything else or anyone else, that his power can never be diminished, it can never be increased, He has all power, and he is perfect in power. The same with his sovereignty. He is perfectly sovereign over all things, meaning everything is under him. But He is the word of God reveals that he is omnipotent. Starting in verse 13, Psalm 139, he says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All my days, uh, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. So we see in here the description of God's creative power that he would uh, knit together uh, the psalmist in his mother's womb, even he created his inmost being when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. His God's eyes saw his unformed body, so we see the creative power and the sovereignty of God outlined in these few verses. Uh, so we see, I think, even when we consider especially the complexity of the human body, it reveals the sovereignty of God and the in his creative power. That we see the complexity of even just one simple human cell, we see. Uh, complexity that is beyond anything that man is capable of conceiving or or creating in his own power. It is beyond anything that we can even imagine. I wish we had time to get into that today. Someday we will talk about some of the complexities of uh, cre- creation and how that uh, shapes our view of God. But we don't have time for that today. But when we consider those things, it reveals God's creative power, his mind and his sovereignty over all creation. Now, the first thing that we see about God's sovereignty is the Bible that reveals that... Uh, uh, well, let's talk about this first. Let's talk about the, the complexity of creation just briefly first. Job 26, I want to look about, look at the, the complexity of creation is held together by his power. So uh, before we get to to what I was going to talk about there, the complexity of creation is held together by his power. So all the things that we see, the human body, the... the uh, the fine-tuning of the universe, all the things that we see around us that enable us to live and have our being, to be able to have coherent thoughts together, to be able to have interaction together. Everything that we know about life is sustained by his power, every single thing. And the Bible reveals uh, his, his power uh, in creation is held together by his power. Job, 20, Job chapter 26, I love these, this passage. It says, starting in verse 7, it says that he spreads out the northern skies over empty space. He suspends the earth over nothing. He wraps up the waters in his clouds, yet that he do not burst under its weight. He covers the face of the full moon, spreading his clouds over it. He marks out the horizon on the face of the waters, a boundary between light and darkness. Uh, and these are but the outer fringes of his works. How faint the whisper we hear of him. Who then can understand the thunder of his power? Uh, he spreads the northern skies over empty space. He suspends the earth over nothing. He, he holds everything within his grasp. Everything is within his hand. Everything is held together by his power. It was conceived in his mind and then spoken, brought into existence by his power. And it says all of the things that we see around us that are beyond the comprehension of humanity. Everything that we see, it says then, uh, it says... These are but the outer fringe of His works. How faint the whisper we hear of Him. Who then can understand the thunder of His power? Everything that we see around us is so complex that it is beyond our understanding, but it is a faint whisper of who God is. Who then can understand the thunder of our God's power? All of creation is held together by the power of God. And then the next thing that we see is everything is subject to to Him. Uh, He is the one who defines what is good, what is sacred, what is acceptable within his creation. We saw that in our passage that we just read about knitting together. Uh, The psalmist talking about how he was knitted together in his mother's womb. He He saw the psalmist when he was formed, all of these things. So what we see then in that is that God's creative power, he has conceived this plan of creation in his mind. He is Brought it into existence in his power, and then creation is subject to his mind, his authority, and his power, his justice, all that he is. creation is subject to all that he is uh, just for instance, talking about uh, talking about the life that he has created let me let me find that verse again um, again in verse uh, 13, for you created my inmost being and knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. So then God has created this, uh, this being, and now the being is subject to God's sovereignty. The first thing that we see that the Bible reveals about this is that God created man in his own image. Man was created in the image of God. Man wasn't created to be sovereign in himself. Man wasn't created to exist in himself independent of God, but God created man to reflect his own image. The only thing that we see in all of creation that was created to reflect the image of God, that was the only thing, was us. The only thing that we see in creation that God breathed his own life into was humanity. The Bible says that male and female he created them. You see, all of these things then speak to the sovereignty of God over his creation. You see, the issue that we see today is that man tries to decide that he can be sovereign over creation. We see that in people trying to decide that they, they can tell you when life starts and when it should end. We see that in, in even the things that are going on around us today. People, there are people that exist that hate other people because of how they look. You can't find that in the Bible. There is no room for that whatsoever under a godly worldview. There is no room for that. You see, because God created... He breathed his life into man. It wasn't based on how the man looked. He decides when life begins. He decides when it ends. He decides what life is. You see, we live in a day where man tries to decide what life is. Meaning, even today, the simple fact is we try to decide that we can, I can determine myself what gender I am. I don't have that right. You see, there are some things that... I, we like to think that we are totally free and sovereign over everything in life. I am not a sovereign human being. I am under the power. I am under the ruling, under the authority of my Creator. I am under that. The only freedoms I have is the freedom that He has given me. We are not fully free. I am free under the uh, the the ruling of god what he the parameters that he has laid out i am free under that you see we don't get to make those decisions we don't get to decide when life begins or ends we don't get to decide what gender somebody might might be i don't get to decide that you don't get to decide that even if i don't like what is within me i don't get to decide that now in saying that There are people who are struggling in amazingly intense ways with the lies that Satan has put in their hearts. Now, whether what they expect or want to be is true or not, the struggle still exists within their soul, and we have to be careful how we approach situations. We have still have to be able to talk to people in love, express the truths of God in love, knowing that whether what they are looking towards is true or not, there is still a struggle for their soul going on within them. So I have to be careful how I approach the situation. Now, let's take that, in, in this might be an extreme example, but we'll use it. You, I think you'll get the idea. I didn't intend to talk about any of this today. There are clinics where you can go to where people can make decisions about things that they're going through. And there are people that stand outside and scream at them. I'm not telling you not to even go to a place to try to talk to somebody. But there are people that will dress up in grim reaper suits and stand outside of clinics. That is not an effective way. I can guarantee you, you're not going to affect somebody's heart by doing that. Now listen. Listen that in itself might not be, it's not okay in itself, the act, what somebody's going towards. But somebody somebody might make that decision just because they don't want to deal with it. There are people that make that decision. But there are also people that make that decision because they have been abused in horrendous ways. Now, I'm not saying that the end result is okay because of that, but what I'm telling you is there's still a person who has been abused and struggled in going through a battle within themselves because somebody else, independent of them, has made a decision to step into their life and subject them to their base instincts. Somebody has been abused. That exists. All of those things exist from the extreme where somebody makes a decision just because they don't want to deal with it to somebody who has been abused in ways that most of us can't imagine. What I am saying to you today is when we deal with sinful things, when we deal with things that are wrong, we still have to look with compassion on the heart of a person who might be dealing with abuse or anything like that that you can imagine or somebody who doesn't know if they're a man or a woman. That in itself we don't accept that, but I still have to have the compassion on somebody who is struggling in that confused, and that that far off from God where they don't even know the very foundation of who they are. They have no idea. That isn't something that somebody just wakes up one day and I don't have any idea. It is something that Satan has placed in their heart for their destruction. I have to be aware of that. I'm not telling you that those... I don't want you to go from here and somebody try to misinterpret what I said and that I'm saying these situations are okay. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that we have to be careful in our approach, that we still have to love people. We still have to have compassion on people and not understand, well, this person just, they're just confused about who they are. No, Satan desires to destroy them. He's putting something in their heart. The Bible says that sin wages war against their soul. There is a war going on within them. We have to be aware of that and approach them in godly truth, but in true sacrificial love, desiring to have compassion and mercy on people, because Satan's goal is to destroy people and lead them away from God and to see them separated from him forever. We have to understand that everything is subject to him. He is the one who defines what life is. Why does this matter today? See, this matters today because the Bible says, let me, let me read this, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, it says, starting verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. For although although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of God Uh, the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. You see, there are those who actively suppress or restrain the truth in their unrighteousness. What is the result of the suppression or restraint of the truth of God? God reveals himself in truth and to some degree every person knows that God is and yet they choose not to honor him. The result is that they become futile in their thinking and their hearts become dark. Uh, they exchange the glory of what has been revealed to them and that revelation with the intent to restore them. They they exchange the glory of what has been revealed to them and the intention of what God has revealed to us is with the intent to restore us to the place of peace with God and the place of living Out His created purpose people exchange the glory of what God has revealed to them for mere images again It says they exchange the glory of immortal the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things They become futile then in their thinking Futile means empty foolish or vain vain being self-absorbed or conceited the simple suppression of the revelation God of God leads to every kind of destruction destructive behavior and ideology that we see at work in the world around us right now. The suppression of the truth that God has revealed about himself. So all the things that we see here in Psalm 139, that he knows all things. That he is everywhere. I can't hide from him. That he is sovereign in his power over all of creation. creation. He has revealed this among men. That should tell us that I am subject to him. That I better figure out how to walk with him because he sees He knows He is there for everything that I'm doing, all the sinful things that I feel like I might be hiding from other people. He is right there, seeing it. He sees all of those things. Revealing that to me, I should know then He has provided a way for me to have peace with Him through Christ. So I better figure out how to walk in that. Because I am subject to all these things that He's revealed about Himself, but some people choose to suppress that truth. I'm almost done. Some people choose to suppress that truth. They choose to actively restrain that truth for themselves and sometimes for other people. There are parents that won't want anything to do with their kids walking in the truth of God. I've seen it. I was a youth pastor, and I remember one kid in particular, every time he went home from youth group, his parents ripped him apart for going. Made fun of him, persecuted him for going, for wanting anything to do with God. You see, the suppression of the truth that God has revealed about himself leads to every destructive behavior that we see right now today in our world around us. You want to know why people hate each other because of how they look? It's because they've suppressed the truth of God. The Bible says when they suppress the truth of God, they become futile in their thinking. They become vain or conceited in their thinking. That's what happens. They suppress the truth of God. They become vain or conceited in their thinking. They start thinking that, well, these other people aren't worth as much as I am. You want to know why somebody leans on somebody's neck for eight minutes and kills them? Because they've suppressed the truth of God. You want to know then why people choose to take that and... and Rob people and destroy their livelihood and their, their homes and their stores and everything, it's because they've suppressed the truth of God. Because there's nothing wrong with protesting peacefully, but once you start destroying other people's stuff and taking from them, you, have, you in that moment have suppressed the truth of God. Every one of these things comes down to the fact that humans have decided in themselves that I can be sovereign. That I can make the decisions. That I know is what is right. Rather than understanding that God is the one who knows. He is the one who is everywhere, sees everything. And he is the one that is sovereign over his creation. You see, this is not going to start by some wide, widespread, uh, some kind of program to try to reform behaviors. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen just simply by some sort of campaign to try to get people to like each other. It's not going to happen. You see, how this stuff turns around is by you and I making a decision that I'm not going to suppress the truth that God has revealed about himself, but I am going to embrace it and order my life after it. That is how God has chosen to work. We make that decision. I don't ever take a moment off from that. You see, we don't get to just decide, well, I'm, I'm, I'm at my home now, and nobody's around me, nobody sees me, so I'm going to take, take some time for myself now. No, that doesn't ever happen. There is never a moment where we can step back and take time off from embracing the truth of God, His revelation of Himself, and all that that means for me. And it means everything to me, whether I'm out in public or whether I'm sitting at home by myself. You see, the effect of the suppression of the truth of God is just as devastating in public as it is when I'm sitting at home by myself. You think you can't destroy your life when you're sitting at home by yourself? Keep up that life for a while. I guarantee you at some point it's going to bring you down. As the worship team comes up and we close. You see, there are those who actively suppress and restrain the truth of God in their lives, but there are those then who actively embrace the truth of God and what he has revealed about himself. The first thing that you will find when you embrace the truth of God is that he will begin to form you, reform his image in you, enabling you to live up to your creative purpose, and you will never, ever find freedom the way that you will when you are living up to your created purpose, you won't find freedom like that anywhere else. It's the last thing. The psalmist then, with clear intentions, sincerity, And the desire to know God then was able to say, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of the everlasting. Search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You see, when somebody is embracing the truth of God, they are able to say to God, Hey, you search me because left to myself, I am prone to wandering and ending up in all of these destructive behaviors that we see in the world around us. You search me and tell me if there is something offensive that's in me. There's something that's offensive to you? Is there something that's offensive to other people? You search me. You see, he has to be the point of reference where we find life and understanding of how to live here. If I'm just basing how I live here on all of the people around me, I will never, ever uh, find peace, peace, or Or fulfillment or freedom, I will never find these things. This is the last thing i'll say. I promise. You see this in in uh um, I don't know if I've said this before, but when I tune my guitar, uh, I try to never tune my guitar by ear now somebody some people may be way better than that than I am, but I try to never tune that by ear. I try to always use some sort of tuner because I have six strings. If I tune the first string and the second string together, they might be perfectly in tune or very close. If I tune then the second and third string together, they might be pretty close. If I tune the third and fourth string together, that might be pretty close. You see, I get to the last string, and they're all pretty close, but when you play them together, they don't sound very good. You see, the point of this is that when I have a tuner, I am tuning every string to that tuner. And all the strings, they're not based off of the other string. I'm not tuning my sixth string off another string that's already out of tune. I'm going to in a totally independent source that can tell me, yeah, in an objective way, this string is out of tune. It doesn't matter what the other one's doing, this string's out of tune. You see, that is what happens in our spiritual life. I can't make my decisions in life based on what I see in other people. Because if I think just because, well, this person's not a great person and I'm better than them, I'm gonna be out of tune with God's will. You see, I have to look to the independent source of Christ alone. He is the one who searches my heart. He is the one who knows me. He is the one who is sovereign over me. He sees everything. I go to him to be the one who tunes me, and the next person does the same thing. They go to Christ to be tuned to him. Then the next person... You see, all of us, we can't tune ourselves to each other, but each of us has to look off to God as the source to tune our hearts to him... And as we do that, then, we are able to live out in harmony the created purposes of God. What this comes down to is we have to make a decision individually that I'm going to embrace the truths of God and order my life after what he has revealed about himself. God, we thank you today for the truths of your word, the ways that you speak to our hearts. Father, we thank you that you are a God who...